I want to pick it up right where we left off last week. And, and if you weren't here, hopefully, wherever you went, they had one consistent theme of what they were preaching on, right? Sometimes churches get a little bit, they try to get cute. On Easter Sunday, the only thing you should ever hear is that Jesus resurrected from the grave, defeating Satan, sin, and death. Trust him, right? Like, this is, this is the big E on the I chart. This is the thing we need to see. This is where life comes from, is that Jesus defeated Satan, sin, and death, and he has trampled death. And we can trust him and live with him forever, right? In a, in a real place, by the way. But yeah, if we die now, your spirit goes to be with the Lord, your body goes to be in the ground. But there will become a day where Jesus returns and your body and your spirit will come together and you will live in a new heaven and in a new earth, which is exciting, right? Well, what do we do between now and that day? And that's what I want to talk about. And so generally we'd go right to the book of Acts. But I'm so thankful for the book of John because that's not where he goes. It's not where he goes, right? And so we're going to pick it up right where we left off, which was John 20, 21. So this is, remember where we left off last Sunday. The next verse, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me. We, we, have, a, we have a mission God. Jesus came to save sinners, he left the throne room of heaven, he put on flesh, he dwelt among us, and he, he was sent. The Father sent him. His mission was to die in the place of sinners, to triumphantly resurrect, and to give himself in the Holy Spirit to all who will trust and believe in him, and to spread his glory to the ends of the earth by making disciples. So he's saying, okay, as the Father has sent me, even so, I'm sending you. Now, he's talking to his apostles, he's talking to his disciples, but that mission, that commission goes on until the day that Jesus returns, right? Now, Jesus commissioned the disciples to go into the world to be his messengers and his witnesses, even as the Father sent him. You know, Jesus had gone here and he had gone there, and everywhere he went, he preached. I think many times we miss the fact that Jesus was primarily a preacher, Yes, he healed. Yes, he did many amazing things and miracles. But Jesus preached. As a matter of fact, there was a time in Luke where they were like, listen, there's still so many people that need to receive healing. You should stay here. And he goes, I must go. There are other towns that need to hear the good news. And the main healing he's aiming for is restored relationship between God the Father and sinful humanity. And he was there to let them know. Well, well here's the deal. And for the city, one of our goals is to see every believer on mission with Jesus. As Jesus was sent to make disciples who make disciples, that's what we're here to do, right? Our aim at For the City is to magnify Christ in everything that we do. Primarily by doing that, we make disciples who share and show the transforming power of the gospel and then teach others and make disciples who will make disciples and then multiply churches until this thing's wrapped up. And what I mean by wrapped up, I mean Jesus returns. That's all we're going to be about, right? And so where do we start? All right, mission sent. Now it's like this is the sermon most people love, man, because we're American. Let's get it done. But we start with the gospel. We start with the good news. It, it's all about the gospel. I think many times we, we get bored with that, so we want to make Christianity kind of like Nike, just do it, right? Yeah, Jesus did his thing. Now let's, let's talk about what we do. But we never leave the gospel. We never move past it. As we seek to see our church become missional, 
and, and plant churches who plant churches. In, in a very post-Christian context, it's imperative that we understand the gospel. Not just so that we can share it, but so that we can receive it first. You and I must feed from the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and uh, I love the last song that we just sung because it goes so well with the sermon that we, we have or the text that we have. Because really, this is the key to joy. I must decrease, Christ must increase. But we, we don't want that. If we could be real, we, we want to increase. Yeah, Jesus can be on his throne, but can I just be a sidekick? I just want to sit at the right hand. Well, he's got that. How about the left hand? Who's over there? Can I be somewhere right near you? I just want to be your guy. Well, I, I want you to know you are his guy. You are his gal. But you must decrease. And as you do that, joy in your life will increase. And we're going to see that right here in our text today. But if we're going to reach our neighbors, it's imperative that we know whose we are and who we are. It's so important that we understand that if we're going to reach the city of Greensburg with the love of Christ. So that's why we start here. So I'm going to read through. Ryan did a great job reading the text, but I'm going to read through uh, this text. We're going to work through it, and then we're going to pull out four truths. And hopefully you have a map. If you don't, next time you come in, grab it. You've got a little outline. You've got a place you can take notes, things like that. But you'll be able to see that from the text. So follow along with me. John 21, 1 through 14. And then we'll hit... 15 through the rest here in a moment. This is really just setting the stage for where we're at. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, well, we'll go with you. They went out and they got into their boats, but that night they caught nothing. And if you're familiar with the Bible, this, this cracks me up every time, right? These guys are professional fishermen, and almost every time they talk about these guys fishing, they catch nothing, right? Like, Jesus just resurrected from the grave. And what are they, what are they doing? You, don't forget, Peter blew it, right? And that's what this whole text is about. He failed Jesus in a major way. And maybe you've been there. Every one of us have failed him in, in a trillion ways. But this is pretty colossal. So what's the first thing he does? Just what he knows. Let's just go fishing. I don't know much about anything right now. I'm just going to go back to what I know. Maybe that's reading too much into it. But I don't think it is because you and I will do that. When we fail, we just seem to go back to the things that we know. We go back to these little comforts. Well, the story continues. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, really, really it's friends, do, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, John, right, therefore said to Peter, he said, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, which is weird, right? Generally, you take off outer garments before you jump in the water, right? These dudes are just apparently fishing in their tidy whities and they, they, now he puts on his clothing to jump into the water, right? Because it says he was for, stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land. But about a hundred yards off, when they got out, on land, they saw a charcoal fire 
Let's stop here just for a moment. The only, listen, when's the last time we heard about a charcoal fire, if you remember? It's, it's actually when Peter denies Jesus three times. It's the only time in the Gospel of John it's mentioned outside of this moment right here. That could be coincidence. I don't think it is, right? Because this is a very restorative moment. He, he's like, you remember? I know you remember. It's probably all you've thought about until this moment. And you have so much shame and so much guilt. Remember the smell of the charcoal fire? Do you remember when the girl looked at you and said, you're one of them. You're with Jesus. Do you remember how you said no three times? Do you remember the rooster? Do you remember it all? Do you remember how in the Gospel of Luke it says our eyes met? And just imagine it. Peter, full of shame, full of guilt. And just knowing he'd blown it. Smelling a charcoal fire. And there he is. Jesus is cooking breakfast. Says with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring me some of the fish that you just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast. Now none of the disciples there asked, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. All right, so point one. If we're going to be sent, we're going to, I'm, I'm probably making up a word. Sentness, right? I like that though, is about failing. And that's really a strange place to start. It's just a strange place to start. What is sentness, by the way? Um, it, it's it's when by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, you live a life on mission with Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. It's just being on mission. So if, you, if you're going to do that, you've got to understand it's about failing. Weird, right? Um, wh why would we start with failing? Well, because I think we've got to understand we're, we're a dependent people. We're not independent. It will, this city will not be reached or, or your neighbors will not be won to Christ because you're awesome. It's not going to happen that way. It's not going to be happening because you, you share the gospel so profoundly that no one can resist your awesomeness that they just bow to the might of your, of your word. No, the gospel is powerful, but it might come through stumbling, might come through fumbling, might come with tears welling up in your eyes because you realize you're just as needy for grace as your neighbor is. So it starts with failing. Every one of us have failed Christ tremendously. And, and, and there's really two responses that happen. I'm talking to the Christian. One is perseverance of faith. By God's grace, you just, man, you just, you just run to the cross. You receive the grace. You receive the forgiveness that He has for you. You dust yourself off and, and you just keep walking with Him. But i got to tell you, for, for everyone that does that, there's probably 20 more who, who struggle mightily in their shame, in their condemnation that's not theirs because it's born on the cross. And just, they, they're paralyzed by disappointment. They're paralyzed by their, their failure. They, they realize that, that they're not awesome. And that's the point. But they, instead of going to, cross, to the cross and to Christ, they hide in shame. They keep these things hidden, and they don't work through it. And I'm actually convinced it's a very tactical strategy of our great enemy, Satan, to paralyze God's people 
instead of us being on mission. See, Satan tries to exploit our failings and our disappointments, hoping to take us off course in the mission, right? There's a book called The Screwtape Letters written by C.S. Lewis, and, and it, it describes this. Listen to this. He says, one of Satan's favorite strategies for impeding the spiritual growth and usefulness of Christians is this. Get them to become preoccupied with their failures. From then on, his battles won. I see this all the time. I see this all the time. But, but thankfully for the, for the Christ follower, failure is not final. F- failure doesn't have the last word for you. Right? And it's not because, once again, it's not because you're awesome. It's, it doesn't have the right to have the last word for you because Christians rest in the finished work of Christ. And he's triumphant. He has succeeded in every way possible so that even from the cross he can say, it's finished. So when God looks upon those who are trusting in Jesus, what he sees is a fully, perfectly forgiven, at one time sinner, new creation in Christ, but he also sees Christ's perfect righteousness. And you've got to get this, or you'll vacillate between pride and despair the rest of your life. And that's exactly what's happening here. So let's, let's continue. By the way, we're going to look at Simon Peter, but then we're going to turn it around and look at us now. right? And so... It says here in John 21, 15 through 19, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What are these, by the way? So it's a good Bible question, right? What are these? I heard someone say fish. It's possible. As a matter of fact, a lot of commentaries would actually agree with you, right? So you're, you're along the line of a lot of pointy-headed scholars who would say, yeah, it's fish. Um, they, they would say, it's your old way of life, right? Because he's gone back to, to what he made money and what he used to. Do you, love, do you love me more than these, this way of life? It could be that. But I actually don't think it is that. And so now I'm disagreeing with some folks, but that's okay. I think it's the other disciples. He's saying, do you love me more than these other disciples? Because if you've got you to remember, do you remember when, when Jesus said, I'm going to go to the cross? And Peter said, no. Oh yeah, I'm going. And, and by the way, you're all going to deny me. And he says, oh, not me. These slubs? These guys? I could see it. I mean, Jesus, we've been hanging out with these other guys for a while. I, I could totally see them blowing it and leaving you. But me, no way. And he blew it. And he denied them. And Jesus is saying, how about it now, Peter? Do you love me more than these guys love me? Do you see the humbling of a leader? I mean, that's a dart. It's, it's, it's a dart right to the heart. Do you love me more than these? And he said to them, he said to Jesus, he said, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, he said, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I, that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Ugh. And Peter was grieved to his heart when he said the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed 
my sheep. Now, why did he ask him three times? I think if you've been around church long enough, you know. Maybe you haven't been around church, though. Or maybe you haven't, and you still don't know. He denied him three times. And, and Jesus, in his kindness, you have a great spiritual surgeon just working on Peter's heart. And he's just looking him in the eyes. He says, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Do, do you love me? He asked him three times because he's doing a good work of restoration. And we don't believe in cheap grace here at For the City. We don't, right? Yeah, it's okay, Peter, rub your head. Just go get him, buddy. You'll do better next time. This is a painful moment. This is a painful moment of restoration for Peter, but it's so good because this surgeon, he cuts you just like a good doctor to bring healing. And he's cutting him right now. And it hurts. Have you ever had a bone out of place that you just needed restored? Like, I have. Listen, I broke 18 bones. The, the worst one was definitely my femur. Okay? And there was a time when they, when they cut me out with the jaws of life, and they had to put that sucker somewhat back in place, wrap it with what looked like saran wrap, hit a button, air compressor, poof, instacast, throw me in the, the helicopter and get me to a hospital. And I remember the pain of that, but I'll tell you what, it almost instantly felt better. Almost instantly. Now, I still need a lot of surgeries. I need a lot of time. But that moment, it was painful. But the people that were there probably saved my leg because they knew what they were doing. Well, it's just like Jesus in this moment. And look what he says. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress and carry you where you do not want to go. This, he said, to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. All right. That's our main text. This is a beautiful picture of grace, by the way. Right? Peter denied Jesus three times. Now he's asking him three times to reaffirm his love before recommissioning him into gospel service. And the same is true of you and I. We must constantly remember that being must precede doing. You and I never, ever, ever outgrow our need for the grace and the forgiveness of Christ. We must go to Him constantly for Him to wash our feet, so to speak, right? He's saying, you're already clean. You're already clean. That happened at the cross the moment you believe. But you and I are going to get dirty in this world. And we're going to constantly need Jesus to remind us that He's the one who cleans us. He's the one who brings healing. He's the one who brings restoration. Because if not... You and I will grow prideful or despairing. That, that was Peter's choices in these moments, right? Um, inferiority or superiority. That, that's the only choices that Peter seemingly chose many times. Prideful, right? All throughout his three years of walking with Jesus seemed very prideful. But now, what's he going to do? I mean, he's, he's blown it bigger than anybody, except maybe Judas, right? Definitely Judas. Um, Right? But the other guys, the guys that are in the team, right? He could go to inferiority and constantly just be staring at his navel and thinking about how he failed Jesus in that moment. But Jesus won't let him. Peter had wrestled with superiority much of his time with Jesus. I mean, remember, walking on water, he's killing it, takes his eyes off Jesus. Right? I'll never deny you. Three times, cock-a-doodle-doo. Right? Like over and over and over, this guy just runs his mouth. And, and if you remember in Luke's gospel, Jesus said to him, he says, P 
Peter, Satan has asked, he's asked to have you. But I've prayed that your faith will not fail. And when you turn, strengthen your brothers. I mean, Jesus wasn't surprised. He knew this was coming. And actually, it's part of the plan. I've never met someone who's been effective in gospel ministry who just wasn't crushed like a grape. Just haven't. Haven't met that man. Haven't met that woman. Because the pathway to joy and the pathway to being used by God is a downward path. It's you decreasing. It's him increasing. It's constantly being reminded, I am a desperate man. I'm a desperate lady. I need the grace of God. I need you. Because without you, I can do nothing. And that's what's happening right here in this moment. But here's the thing. Because you're American, you're, you're performance-driven. Now, some of you are off the charts, right? I, I know some of you are. I mean, I've hung out with you. It, you are very performance-driven. i got to tell you, I know what that's like. Me too. I'm just not as good at performing anymore, right? Used to be good at sports. As you get older, that starts to get beat out of you. You realize, you're yeah, not that good. You probably weren't good then, but you're definitely not good now. But for performance-driven folks, man, receiving grace and forgiveness can be very difficult. Because you just, I'm going to, tomorrow, it's a new day. I'll never let Jesus do it down again. Right? You ever been in that moment where you just blew it in sin? And then you're just like, I promise, Lord, never doing that again, only to find yourself doing that again. Right? Next time, this is the thousandth time, this is the trillionth time. And that's our performance-driven, right? But here's the deal. As we look to the cross and think deeply on the gospel, what we realize is that's, that's extremely insulting. <laughs> that's an, I've been hearing that the whole time. I'm sorry. It's extremely insulting to the Lord. Do you know why it's insulting to continually try to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps? It's because essentially saying, God, your son's death wasn't sufficient. I must add to my own sin. What am I going to add? I've got to add to Jesus' sacrifice. What am I going to add? i got it. I'll load up guilt and shame on myself for what I did. That will certainly fill up the cup. Can you just see it? I mean, this is what we do. Instead of running to the one who's sufficient, to the one who's done everything in your place to, to completely wash you clean. To completely forgive you. The Bible says, as far as the east is to the west, your, your, your Father in Heaven sees no more of your sin. You're white as snow. I'm not saying there is a time in the midst of our sin and in the midst of our rebellion that, that we should feel shame. But that shame should run you to the cross, not away from Jesus. Right? We, we run to the cross to, to receive what's always been there. Just like the prodigal. Right? He's eating pig slop. He feels the guilt. He feels the shame. That's a good thing. But if he just stays there, that's a horrible thing. Instead, he runs to his father. And what is he met with? He, he's not met with unforgiveness. He's met with a father who's probably been looking down the dirt road for a while. And he comes running to him. And he, he lavishes love and forgiveness upon him. He restores him. He puts shoes on his feet. He slaughters the fattened cat. He throws a party. That's what you're met with in your moments of sin. You're met with grace. You're met with love. And, and you have to get this. Or you'll be completely unable completely unable to extend forgiveness to others. You can't extend forgiveness to other people until you're honest about the extent to which you have been forgiven. 
You're completely forgiven. You're completely loved by God because of what Christ has done. Have you received it? Do you receive it daily? I hope you do because here's the deal. Ungracious people are those who haven't come to grips with their, their own dire need for daily grace. See, they don't give it because they don't think they need it. If you just try harder, do a little better, then you could be like me. Well, who's that? It's the older brother, right? But, but we just looked at Luke 15. Both need grace. Both need forgiveness. Both need to come to their father. Both need to enter the house and enjoy the party. Neither one of them have, let's say, graduated from grace. And neither have we, and none of us ever will. We will constantly need God's grace in our lives. Peter needed to understand this, right? Well, if you heard this story, and if you're familiar with the Bible, then you know this story sounded a lot like Jesus in the fishing and the disciples getting called to follow him, right? You're familiar with the story in Luke 5? I'm not going to read the whole thing. I was going to, but you should. You should read it today. It's Luke 5, 1 through 11. But what you're going to see, it's, it's, the fir- it's the first main interaction. No doubt they had interaction before this moment that Jesus calls these men to follow him. And, and, and here's what's amazing. They're out there fishing. They've been fishing all night. They haven't caught anything. They're very consistent. And Jesus is standing on shore, and all the people are coming in. They're pressing in on him, and he needs to get a little space, but he's been teaching them the word, and they're here. And here comes the guy. They're cleaning their nets. They're done fishing, right? You don't clean your nets if you plan on going back out anytime soon. They'd fished all night. They caught nothing. They're done. And Jesus says, hey, let's get back in the boat, and let's push off a little off land right? Everybody's like, that's so he can get more space and his water, his voice will carry over the water. Sure, but it's way more than that, right? So they push offshore, and now he says, do me a favor. You, you haven't been fishing all night. You haven't caught anything, right? That's got to be terrible because this is what you do for a living. Take that net and just, just chuck it over the side. Let's see what happens. Well, Peter says, Lord, we've fished all night. Like, I mean, you're a carpenter, right? Yeah, we're fishermen. Like, we fished this thing all night. We haven't caught anything. Uh, but at your command, I'll do it, right? You ever said that? I mean, Jesus, I've tried praying 53 times, okay? Apparently don't want to do it. Keep praying. Be persistent. Eh, okay, right? You ever been hesitant with the Lord in his clearly revealed word? No, just keep your hand to the plow. So they do. What happens? You guys remember all the fish? Man, there, there's so many fish that they start to pull them up, and the nets are breaking, and the boats are sinking, Now, if you're in fishing for money, that's a good day, right? And so they're calling people over. you got to help us. They get the boats ashore. This is their greatest landfall money-making day ever. And what happens to Simon Peter? He he literally, he says, depart from me, from a sinful man, Lord. Strange response to catching a lot of fish. It's very strange. But what he realized in that moment his, I'm next to somebody who's far greater than me. And in that moment, when you see the glory of God rightly, what you don't feel about yourself is that you're awesome. What you don't realize is, man, man look at me. I'm stunning. What you do is you realize God is stunning. And I am a sinful man. I am a sinful woman. And there is no way I could draw near to you. You are so great. He says, depart from me. Okay, that's early on in the beginning of his three-year ministry. 
What's he do now, though? And I don't miss the parallel. He swims to Christ. He jumps out of the boat. He doesn't tell Jesus to get away. He says, i got to come to you. Because you're where forgiveness is found. You're where life is found. I need you. I need to sit and have a breakfast with you, O oh Lord. Don't depart from me. If you depart from me, I have no chance. Oh, I think Peter's learning. I think Peter's learning. In the moments of our own sinfulness, do you hide like Peter early on in his ministry? Or do you run to Christ? Do you swim to Christ? Do you fly to Christ? Do you? It's so important that you do. It's so important that, that, you, that you run to Christ, that you receive grace, that you receive the forgiveness of God. The second point that I want you to see is sentness is about feasting. All right? Sentness is about feasting. Sentness, part one was that it's about failure. But sentence here is about feasting. You might think, well, that's a strange thing. Jesus is actually, he's, he's cooking breakfast for the disciples. And there are times in our previous failures that keep us from wanting to be with Jesus, even though we understand his grace and forgiveness. You ever been there? You, you know you're forgiven. You know you're loved. But you, just, you feel like I can't go near him. And he comes to you. We wrongly think that we got to pay him back for our sin. we got to feel sulky. we got to feel guilty before we can come to the throne of grace and receive help in our time of need. But grace means that we receive forgiveness freely. We receive it freely. We can come unlimited amount of times and feast upon that grace. A person who's experienced God's grace will, will definitely have an impact on the lives of those that they come in contact with. You can tell when someone's sat and had breakfast with Jesus. Not physically, right? Like, if that's happened, that's cool. I want to hear about that afterwards. But I'm just saying, you've sat, you've read the Word, you've enjoyed, and He's met you in that quiet space where He just reminds you, you're mine. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. I died to save you. I'll never abandon you. Nobody could ever snatch you from my hand. I have you. I am your good shepherd. I do lead you by still water. I will lead you to green pastures. I will anoint your head and your cup will overflow because life and life abundantly is found in me. We've, we've all had those moments. But if not, the flip side of that coin is that you'll be guilty and shame-filled legalist. You just will. You think you always got to earn God's grace and forgiveness and love. You've got to do something more to add to the gospel. And that's not good news at all. It leads to despair. It leads to pride. So if we're going to be on mission with Jesus, you and I must sit at the table and allow him to continually serve you up a heaping helping of grace. Every day. You must start each day reminding yourself of the good news of Jesus. You must start each day reminding yourself of the truth that Jesus died to save sinners, and that you qualify, that I qualify, because we'll feed from the overflow of what we're receiving, right? And so we must feast on Christ. We must believe in Him. See, because all our sin was paid for on the cross, you and I can and must go to our risen Savior and receive the good news of what He's done. This is why He came to die in our place, 
The title of the sermon is called Wounded Healer. But, but you got to know something. Jesus is God's ultimate wounded healer. He was wounded to bring about healing, right? Um, li- listen to Isaiah 53.5. This is 700 years before Jesus put on flesh. This is always God's plan. This is not plan B. This was always his plan. So in Isaiah 53.5 it says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Many times people will take that text and talk about physical healing. i got to tell you, it misses the greatness of that text. Because that text is not primarily talking about physical healing. You will receive physical healing. When you die and Jesus returns and resurrects your body and gives you a glorified body. Till then, you're going to get sick and you're going to die. It's going to happen, right? I don't think I even need to say this to this family, right? The healing he's talking about is a healed relationship with God the Father. He was pierced for your sin, your transgressions, but through his brokenness, through his wounds, through the cross, you and I receive healing, healing between us and God because of what Christ has done. By his wounds, we are healed. Well, just like we have the Apostle Peter here, as followers of Jesus, we can allow our wounds to bring healing to others. I feel, I I mean, I talk to so many people and they just tell me, listen, I've blown it. I have nothing to offer anyone. Can I just tell you something? God loves to work mightily through people who have blown it. That's all there is, right? So, so man, you just don't understand. I have this big shameful piece back in, back in my early years. And, I, I mean, how could I ever minister to anybody? I'm just, a, I'm just a needy little grub. I just go to church, and I just hear the good news, and I remind myself how bad I am and how great Jesus is. But, I mean, he, he could never use me. Well, it's just a lie. It's just a lie. It's, it's rooted in pride. You're like, that doesn't sound prideful. No, it is prideful because it's thinking primarily about you and not what God does through you. So I come, I receive the grace, I receive the forgiveness. He heals those wounds that seem so fresh every time I'm reminded of this. But you got to know, he loves to work through that. You ever have just a moment where, man, I just blew it in my history and in my past, but Jesus has healed me. He has forgiven me. And now there's a scar there, and I can sit down with somebody who's working through that same thing. And God is allowing me to minister to them in a particular way that I wouldn't be able to minister to them if I had not gone through that. Church, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. So let's get real here. Life can be brutal. None of us escape its painful consequences. Some are our own consequences to sin, but some have nothing to do with our sin, but it's just because of a broken, fallen world, right? But none of us escape this world without wounds. I'm, I'm talking physical, but I'm definitely talking like spiritual. I'm talking like emotional. Every one of us have trauma in our past. Some have way more, but I want you to know that God doesn't waste not one ounce of it. Not one ounce of it. He will redeem all those things for His glory. Right? And, and all those things, He will work in and through you as you continue to go to Him and receive. As you receive healing, He continues to heal you, but He also heals others around you. Through your story. Through His story of grace in your life. 
And so don't, don't run from that story. Run to Christ. If, if there's things you need to work through, work through them. Get around other Christians. Get the Bible open. Ask them to pray for you. But do not be sidelined because of things that have happened in your past. Come to Christ. Receive everything that he has for you and allow him to work mightily through you. And he will. It's exactly what we have here with the Apostle Peter, right? But, but here's the thing. Sometimes our wounds can cause us to be spiritually paralyzed to where we do nothing. And we can't do that. Here's, here's the deal. I was at Easter dinner. There was a, a lady that was with us, an 80-year-old friend of mine. And she's a riot, by the way. I'm just getting to know her. And, and here's the deal. She said to me, she goes, well, you can just either get bitter or you can get better. I'm like, that'll preach. That'll preach, right? You, you can always be a constant. And, and i got to be careful here because I don't want to add insult to injury. You can live the rest of your life with, with wounds and say, I'm a victim here. And at some level, every one of us have had moments, some even more, I know your stories, where, yeah, you were a victim. That should not have happened to you. That was a gross evil. But I got to tell you, there's got to come a point where the page turns. And you got to say, I could get better, but I'm going to get better. And can I just tell you how you get better primarily? It's through the church. People go from crisis into community, and what they realize, we're not all that different. Oh, you've blown it too? Wow, welcome to the team. Here's your jersey. Oh, Jesus loves to bring about healing, hope, and restoration? Yeah, me too. Let me tell you about that, the hope and the healing that I've experienced through the gospel of grace. Can I tell you about that? Oh, that same story? Well, that's true for you too. He loves you. He sees you. He didn't abandon you in that moment. He's right here with you. He wants to bring healing. And that may take a long time. And I got to tell you, some wounds are so deep, it does, they'll just probably never be healed on this side of the cross or, or this side of eternity, right? So some people are just going to limp to the end and you're going to be hurt. But I can tell you that progressive healing can happen. Where you're at right now is not where you always have to be. The Lord will grow you. He will heal you. He will continue to work in you and through you. The third point, we have two more points. We're going to finish on time, but I'm going to skip a lot because we're going to talk about it in the next five weeks. Sentness, the third point is sentness is about feeding. And what I mean by that, yes, feeding others, I think you just got from feasting. We feed on the good news of the gospel. We feed on the word of God. We come, we sit ourselves under teaching and preaching of the word, but it should never terminate there. Now, this is for the apostle Peter. This is for the apostles. I get that. He says, feed, feed. But can I just tell you right now, we receive the, the apostles teaching. That's the Bible. And guess what they say over and over and over? Teach, preach, share the good news of the gospel. We must use words, but I got to tell you, it won't happen until you feast upon him first. It just won't happen. But as we do, as we receive his word, as we fill our minds with truth, and as we have our minds transformed and not conformed to the patterns of this world, what comes out is good news. Oh, how many times I've met Christians who, they, they got the joy, joy, joy so far down in their heart, it's never come to their face. I mean, seriously, they, they're dreadful. They're dreadful. They don't have good news for anybody. I mean, they're, they're like, 
we're the people of bad news. Oh, you feel bad? Let's play whack-a-mole. Right? They just pound you on the head when you're already down. It's because they really don't understand that they're forgiven and that they're loved. We have to be a people who feast upon the gospel of grace. We have to be a people who go to God's word and remind ourselves, Christ has done it all. It truly is finished. I'm in Christ. He's in me. There's nothing nor nobody who could ever take me from the love of Christ. Not height, not death, not life, nor anything could ever remove me from his profound love. Why? Because he doesn't love you because you're lovely. God loved you while you were a weak, ungodly sinner. Christ died for you. And if he's going to give his son to die for a weak, ungodly sinner, how much more does he love you now that you've been redeemed, that you're a new creation, that you are a son, that you are a daughter of the living God? I mean, if he gave that which was most precious to him in his son to save you while you were warring against him, while you were an enemy, why would you ever think for a moment, now that you're his child, he must not love me? It's such a lie, right? And this is why people don't have good news to share, because they don't actually think God loves them. And so they feed people a bunch of garbage, and they call it gospel. But it's not gospel. It's not good news. It's actually bad news. Many times, like John Wayne theology, God helps those who help themselves. You can't help yourself. That's the point. You can do nothing to save you. The only thing you added to your salvation was the need of it. You're weak, ungodly, sinner. Christ loved to lay down his life to save you. Oh, and now he has washed you clean. You have his righteousness. In the courtroom of heaven, you are completely holy, just as Christ is holy. Well, that ain't my reality now. Yeah, I know, Sherlock. It's called sanctification. And guess what happens? You're fully justified at the moment of salvation. But there's this process between your salvation of you becoming what you truly are right now. Well, what are you truly right now? Fully forgiven, fully justified, a child of God. Well, but that is my reality. I know. But guess what? You have a real helper in the Holy Spirit. And he's at work in all who trust and believe. And guess what his primary work is? It's to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ. That you would be more like Jesus. That you'd be less like yourself. So the understanding grace doesn't lead to us just going crazy and sinning all the more. What it leads to is a life of righteousness. Because we realize that this is where life is found. And when I do blow it, and I blow it often, guess what happens? Christ is there to quickly remind me. The Holy Spirit reminds me through His Word, I'm not done with you. He wasn't done with the Apostle Peter when he blew it. He said, let me cook you some breakfast. Let me remind you of who I am. Oh, you failed. I know. You're going to have to get over it, Peter, because guess what? Here in a few weeks, you're going to stand up at Pentecost. And I need you to declare this good news. And guess what? It's not about you. Oh, it's so much more than you. And when you stand up to preach, thousands are going to come to faith. They're going to trust in me, and they're going to follow me. So you've got to get over you, bud. You've got to decrease. You've got you to trust me to increase in you. And that's exactly what happened. We feed from the same food that we're eating, which is the Word of God. We're not about gimmicks here. We're, we're not about, you know... Uh, and, and you're like, well, you're accomplishing that. Good. 
I, I want you to know that. We're, we are targeting a certain people. That's why we're here. We're targeting those who would never cross the threshold of most evangelical churches because they just couldn't do it. We're not about come and see. Oh, it's a great show. We're about go and tell. That's what it means to be sent. It means living life on mission with Christ. But our first mission must be, we've got to swim to Christ. We've got to run to Christ. We've got to humble ourselves before Christ and receive. Then we'll have something to give this city. Until then, we'll probably just be full of pride, thinking we have all the answers, playing whack-a-mole with bad news. Thankfully, I've been spending enough time with y'all that I know that's not you. It's not you. You've come, you've received, you've tasted, you know that the Lord is good, and you know you've got no hope except for Christ died for sinners. That's why it's such a joy to be on mission with you all here in this city. I've seen you reach out to people who have never heard the gospel in, in its full entirety. They might have heard bits and pieces, but you've taken the time to sit down, to get to know them, to love them, to share the gospel with them. We've seen people come to faith. It's just the tip of the iceberg. Jesus loves to save sinners. And he loves to do it through people who are fallen, sinful, yet restored in love. And understand the gospel of grace. So that's what we're calling you to. Last point. Sentness is about following. Notice, not once, but three times, Jesus said, do you love me? Peter says, of course, Lord, you know. And then he says, all right, feed my sheep. But at the end, he says, follow me. Follow me. That's all Peter's been doing since the day they met on the beach. In that moment, in Luke 5, he said, follow me. Now he says, follow me. Well, where, where did Jesus go? And Peter knows it. He went to the cross. And, and, and we see at the end of this text in John, that's exactly, where, that's exactly where Peter's going. We know from church history that Peter followed Christ to his martyr's death. And we know that from church history that there was a time where, where Peter was going to be crucified. And it's been studied and understood, let's say, outside of Scripture, that he said, I do not want to be crucified in the same manner that my Lord. I'm not worthy. So if you're going to do this, do this upside down. And they crucified the Apostle Peter upside down. But, but I got to tell you, in that moment, by the way, I didn't go on with the text. Peter says, well, what about that guy? What about John? He goes, don't worry about him. It's, I'm glad you're laughing because it's hilarious, right? Like, it's like a kid getting in trouble and you're, you're looking at your sibling. What about them? What about them? Don't, don't worry about him. Don't worry about you. You worry about you. You follow me. And so Peter did. And as we do, as we follow, let's call Jesus the ultimate wounded warrior or healer. It sounds like a UFC WWF thing, right? As we follow him, don't ever call him that. That is stupid. Strike that from the record. We'll continue to experience and receive healing. And as we do, just like Peter, he, he brought about healing. Now, of course, it was all the work of God. It was all the work of the Holy Spirit. But i got to tell you, it was through obedience. And can I just tell you, that's not the last time the Apostle Peter blew it. We studied Galatians in the fall. He had to get rebuked by Paul because he was afraid of what other people thought. 
So the fear of man was still nipping at this man's feet. Right? And so you and I, are, we're not going to arrive until Christ comes. The question is, is are you willing to continue on the journey? Are you willing to put another foot in front of it and keep following Christ? While other people are deconstructing their faith and taking the off-ramp, are you willing, by God's grace, to pick up your cross, to deny yourself, and to follow Jesus? The Jesus of the Bible, not the Jesus of your imagination, that one doesn't save. Only Christ revealed in Scripture saves. And only Christ revealed in Scripture can bring the healing that you and I desperately need. If you are, then I would trust that God will work mightily in and through you for His glory as we continue forward in His grace. May you join me in prayer? Father, we thank You for the love of Christ. We thank You that, that through Your perfect life, through your sacrificial substitutionary death that we can receive real healing. You, you were not coming to get people to heaven. You were coming to get people to the Father. And that is heaven. That is life. Thank you for saving us. Father, I pray that, that you would work mightily in and through us even now as we come and we humble ourselves, as we come to the table even and remind ourselves of this good news as we receive the, the bread which is showing your body broken on a cross. And as we, as we think about the juice as the blood that was spilled for the forgiveness of sins, may we be reminded of that breakfast that you had with your disciples on the beach that morning and realize that this is the meal our body needs. We need you. We need your grace. We need your forgiveness. Thank you for continually and graciously, lovingly laying your life down to save sinners. We ask that you be magnified in this moment. In Christ's name, amen.